Section six of Policeman Blue Jay by L. Frank Baum. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jude Summers. Chapter eleven The Orphans. The eagle now bade them good-bye and flew away in search of prey, while the blue jay and the child larks directed their flight toward that part of the great forest where they lived. "'Are you sure the men have gone?' asked Chubbins. "'Yes,' replied the policeman. "'They left the forest as soon as they had shot Jolly Joe, for the brown bear was so heavy that they had to carry him on a pole resting across their shoulders. I hope they won't come again very soon.' "'Did they take Mrs. Hoot away with them?' asked Twinkle. "'Yes, she will probably be stuffed, poor thing.' Presently they passed near the rosy glow that lighted up the center of the forest, with its soft radiance, and the girl said, "'That is the Paradise Land, where the birds of Paradise live. The eagle has promised to ask one of those birds to let us visit their country.' "'Oh, I can do better than that if you wish to visit the Paradise,' responded the blue jay. "'For the guardian of the entrance is a special friend of mine, "'and will do whatever I ask him to.' "'Will he really?' asked the girl in delight. "'To be sure. "'Some day I will take you there, "'and then you will see what powerful friends Policeman Blue Jay has.' "'I'd like that,' declared Twinkle. "'Their swift flight enabled them to cover the remaining distance very rapidly, "'and soon they were at home again. "'They first flew to the nest of the goldfinches,' which was in a tree not far from the maple where the lark children lived. There they found the tiny birds, who were yet so new that they were helpless indeed. Mrs. Redbreast was sitting by the nest when they arrived, and she said, The poor orphans are still hungry, although I have fed them all the insects I could find near. But I am glad that you have come, for it is time I was at home looking after my own little ones. Chubbins and I have adopted the goldfinches, said Twinkle, so we will look after them now. "'but it was very nice of you, Mrs. Redbreast, "'to take care of them until we arrived.' "'Well, I like to be neighborly,' returned the pretty bird. "'And as long as cruel men enter our forest, "'no mother can tell how soon her own little ones "'will be orphaned and left helpless.' "'That is true,' said the policeman, nodding gravely. "'So Mrs. Redbreast flew away, "'and now Chubbins looked curiously into the nest.' where several fluffy heads were eagerly lifted with their bills as wide open as they could possibly stretch. "'They must be just awful hungry, Twink,' said the boy. "'Oh, they're always like that,' observed Policeman Blue Jay calmly. "'When anyone is around, they open their mouths to be fed, whether they are hungry or not. It's the way with birdlets.' "'What shall we feed them?' asked Twinkle. "'Oh, anything at all. They are not particular,' said the Blue Jay and then he flew away and left the child larks to their new and interesting task. "'I'll be the father, and you be the mother,' said Chubbins. "'All right,' answered Twinkle. "'Beep, beep, beep,' said the tiny goldfinches. "'I wonder if the luncheon in our basket would agree with them,' remarked the girl, looking at the open mouths reflectively as she perched her own brown body on the edge of the deep nest. "'Might try it,' suggested the boy. "'The cop says they're not particular,' and what's good enough for us ought to be good enough for them. So they flew to where the basket hung among the thick leaves of the tree, which had served to prevent the men from discovering it, and crept underneath the cloth that covered it. Which do you think they'll like best? asked Chubbins. The pickles or the cheese? Neither one, Twinkle replied. The sandwiches will be best for them. Wait, I'll pick out some of the meat that is between the slices of bread. They'll be sure to like that. "'Of course,' agreed Chubbins promptly. 
they'll think it's bugs. So each one dragged out a big piece of meat from a sandwich, and by holding it fast in one claw they managed to fly with the burden to the nest of the goldfinch babies. Don't give it to em all at once, cautioned the girl. It would choke em. I know, said Chubbins. He tore off a tiny piece of the meat and dropped it into one of the wide-open bills. Instantly it was gone, and the mouth was open again for more. They tried to divide the dinner equally among them, but they all looked so alike and were so ravenous to eat everything that was dropped into their bills that it was hard work to keep track of which had been fed and which had not. But the child larks were positive that each one had had enough to keep it from starving, because there was a big bunch in front of each little breast that was a certain proof of a full crop. The next task of the guardians was to give the birdlets drink, so Twinkle and Chubbins flew to the brook, and by hunting around a while they found an acorn cup that had fallen from one of the oak trees. This they filled with water, and then Twinkle, who was a trifle larger than the boy lark, clutched the cup firmly with her toes and flew back to the orphans without spilling more than a few drops. They managed to pour some of the water into each open mouth, and then Twinkle said, There, they won't die of either hunger or thirst in a hurry, Chub. "'So now we can feed ourselves.' "'Their mouths are still open,' returned the boy doubtfully. "'It must be a habit they have,' she answered. "'Wouldn't you think they'd get tired stretching their bills that way?' "'Peep, peep, peep!' cried the baby goldfinches. "'You see,' said the boy with a wise look, "'they don't know any better. "'I had a dog once that howled every time we shut him up. "'But if we left him alone, he stopped howling. "'We'll go and get something to eat and let these beggars alone a while.' Perhaps they'll shut their mouths by the time we get back again. Maybe, replied Twinkle. They got their own luncheon from the basket, and afterward perched on the tree near the nest of the little goldfinches. They did not feel at all comfortable in their old nest in the maple, because they could not forget the tragic deaths of the inhabitants of the three hollows in the tree, the three flats, as poor Whisk had merrily called them. During the afternoon several of the birds came to call upon the orphans, and they all nodded approval when they found the child larks watching over the little ones. Twinkle questioned some of the mothers anxiously about that trick the babies had of keeping their bills open and crying for food, but she was told to pay no attention to such actions. Nevertheless, the pleadings of the orphans, who were really stuffed full of food, made the child larks so nervous that they hailed with delight the arrival of Policeman Blue Jay in the early evening. The busy officer had brought with him Mrs. Chaffinch, a widow whose husband had been killed a few days earlier by a savage wildcat. Mrs. Chaffinch declared she would be delighted to become a mother to the little goldfinches, and rear them properly. She had always had good success in bringing up her own children, she claimed, and the goldfinches were first cousins to the chaffinches, so she was sure to understand their ways perfectly. Twinkle did not want to give up her charges at first, as she had become interested in them. But Chubbins heaved a sigh of relief, and declared he was glad the restless little beggars had a mother that knew more about them than he did. The blue jay hinted that he considered the widow's experience would enable her to do more for the baby goldfinches than could a child lark who had never yet laid an egg, and so Twinkle was forced to yield to his superior judgment. Mrs. Chaffinch settled herself in a motherly manner upon the nest, and the two bird children bade her good night and returned to their own maple tree, where they had a rather wakeful night, because Chubbins thoughtlessly suggested that the place might be haunted by the ghosts of the gray owl 
Whisk, and Mrs. Possum. But either the poor things had no ghosts, or they were too polite to bother the child larks. End of Chapter 11 Chapter 12 The Guardian The next morning ushered in a glorious day, sunny and bright. The sky was a clear blue, and only a slight breeze ruffled the leaves of the trees. Even before Twinkle and Chubbins were awake, the birds were calling merrily to one another throughout the forest, and the chipmunks chirped in their own brisk, business-like way as they scuttled from tree to tree. While the child larks were finishing their breakfast, Policeman Blue Jay came to them, his feathers looking fresh and glossy, and all his gorgeous colorings appearing especially beautiful in the sunshine. "'Today would be a rare day to visit the paradise,' he said. "'So I have come to escort you to the guardian of the entrance, "'who I am sure will arrange for you to enter that wonderful country.' "'It is very kind of you to remember our wish,' said Twinkle. "'We are all ready.' So they flew above the treetops and began their journey toward the center of the forest. "'Where's your policeman's hat and club?' Chubbins asked the Blue Jay. "'Why, I left them at home,' was the reply. "'I'm not on official duty today, you know, "'and the Guardian does not like to see anything that looks like a weapon. "'In his country there are no such things as quarrels or fighting, "'or naughtiness of any sort. "'For as they have everything they want, "'there is nothing to quarrel over or fight for. "'The birds of paradise have laws, I understand, "'but they obey them because they are told to, "'and not because they are forced to. "'It would be a bad country for a policeman to live in.' "'But a good place for everyone else,' said Twinkle. "'Perhaps so,' agreed the policeman reluctantly. "'But I sometimes think the goody-goody places "'would get awful tiresome to live in after a while. "'Here in our part of the forest there is a little excitement, "'for the biggest birds only obey our laws through fear of punishment, "'and I understand it is just the same in the world of men. "'But in the bird's paradise there lives but one race.' every member of which is particular not to annoy any of his fellows in any way. That is why they will admit no disturbing element into their country. If you are admitted, my dears, you must be very careful not to offend anyone that you meet. We'll try to be good, promised Chubbins. I would not dare to take any of my own people there, continued the Blue Jay, flying swiftly along as they talked together. But you two are different, and more like the fairy birds of paradise themselves than like our forest birds. That is the reason I feel sure the guardian will admit you. I'm naughty sometimes, and so is Chubbins, said Twinkle honestly. But we try not to be any naughtier than we can help. I'm sure you will behave very nicely, replied the blue jay. After a time the rosy glow appeared reflected in the blue sky and as they flew toward it the soft and delightful radiance seemed to grow and deepen in intensity. It did not dazzle their eyes in the least, but as the light penetrated the forest and its furthest rays fell upon the group, they experienced a queer sense of elation and light-hearted joy. But now the breeze freshened and grew more strong, pressing against their feathered breasts so gently, yet powerfully, that they soon discovered they were not advancing at all, but simply fluttering in the air. "'Drop down to the ground,' whispered the blue jay, and they obeyed his injunction, and found that close to the earth the wind was not so strong. "'That is a secret I learned some time ago,' said their friend. "'Most birds who seek to enter the paradise try to beat against the wind, and are therefore always driven back. But there is just one way to approach the guardian near enough to converse with him. 
After that, it depends entirely upon his good will whether you get any further. The wind still blew so strongly that it nearly took their breath away, but by creeping steadily over the ground they were able to proceed slowly, and after a time the pressure of the wind grew less and less, until it suddenly ceased altogether, and then they stopped to rest and to catch their breaths, but before this happened Twinkle and Chubbins both uttered exclamations of amazement at the sight that met their eyes. Before them was a grove composed of stately trees, not made of wood, but having trunks of polished gold and silver, and leaves of exquisite metallic colorings. Beneath the trees was a mass of brilliant flowers, exceedingly rare and curious in form, and as our little friends looked upon them, these flowers suddenly began a chant of greeting, and then sang a song so sweet and musical that the lark children were entranced and listened in rapt delight. When the song ended, the flowers all nodded their heads in a pretty way, and Twinkle drew a long breath and murmured, Isn't it odd to hear flowers sing? I'm sure the birds themselves cannot beat that music. They won't try, replied the policeman, for birds of paradise do not sing. How strange, exclaimed the girl. The land they live in is so full of music that they do not need to, continued the blue jay. But before us is the entrance leading through the limbs of that great golden tree you see at the left. Fly swiftly with me and perch upon the middle branch. With these words he darted toward the tree, and Twinkle and Chubbins followed. In a few seconds they alighted upon the branch and found themselves face to face with the first bird of paradise they had yet seen. He possessed a graceful carriage and a most attractive form, being in size about as large as a common pigeon. His eyes were shrewd but gentle in expression, and his pose, as he stood regarding the newcomers, was dignified and impressive. But the children had little time to note these things, because their wondering eyes were riveted upon the bird's magnificent plumage. The feathers lay so smoothly against his body that they seemed to present a solid surface, and in color they were a glistening emerald green upon the neck and wings shading down on the breast to a softer green and then to a pure white. The main wing feathers were white, tipped with vivid scarlet, and the white feathers of his crest were also tipped with specks of flame. But his tail feathers were the most beautiful of all his gay uniform. They spread out in the shape of a fan, and every other feather was brilliant green and its alternate feather snow-white. "'How lovely!' cried Twinkle and the bird bowed its head, and with a merry glance from its eyes responded, "'Your admiration highly honors me, little stranger.' "'This,' said Policeman Blue Jay, "'is the important official called the Guardian of the Entrance of Paradise. "'Sir Guardian, permit me to introduce to you two children of men "'who have been magically transformed into skylarks against their will. "'They are not quite birds, because their heads retain the human shape. "'But whatever form they may bear, their natures are sweet and innocent, and I deem them worthy to associate for a brief time with your splendid and regal race. Therefore I have brought them here to commend them to your hospitality and good will, and I hope you will receive them as your guests. What are your names, little strangers? asked the guardian. Mamma calls me Twinkle, said the girl. I'm Chubbins, said the boy. The guardian looked attentively at the blue jay. "'You know our regulations,' said he. 
No birds of the forest are admitted to our paradise. I know, replied the policeman. I will await my little friends here. It is pleasure enough for me to have just this glimpse of your beautiful fairyland. The guardian nodded his approval of this speech. Very well, he answered. You shall remain and visit with me. If all forest birds were like you, my friend, there would be little danger in admitting them into our society. But they are not, and the laws must be regarded. As for the child larks, I will send them first to the king, in charge of the royal messenger, whom I will now summon. He tossed his head upward with an abrupt motion, and in the tree-top a chime of golden bells rang musically in the air. The flowers beneath them caught up the refrain and sang it softly, until another bird came darting through the air and alighted on the golden limb beside the guardian. The newcomer was differently garbed from the other. His plumage was orange and white, the crest and wing feathers being tipped with bright blue. Nor was he so large as the guardian, nor so dignified in demeanor. Indeed, his expression was rather merry and roguish, and as he saw the strangers he gave a short, sharp whistle of surprise. "'My dear Ethel,' said the guardian, "'oblige me by escorting these child-larks to the presence of His Majesty the King.' "'I am delighted to obey your request,' answered Ethel the messenger brightly. Then, turning to Twinkle and Chubbins, he added, "'I trust you will find my society agreeable during our flight to the royal monarch of Paradise.' Twinkle was too much embarrassed by this politeness to answer at once. But Chubbins said, "'Sure thing,' in a matter-of-fact voice, and the messenger nodded gaily and continued, "'Then we will go, if it pleases you.' He spread his wings in a flash of color and sped away into the paradise, and the children eagerly followed him. End of chapter 12 End of section 6